Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Now, Leon Tailoring is also well-known, we all know, for their tailor-made clothes, but you also know they're ready for their custom-made and ready-made clothing as well. That's right, clothes that are right there on the rack that you can buy and pick up, and they'll make the alterations included in the price. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. And of course, then you know, if they want something tailor-made specifically just for you, then they can do it. So whether it's tailor-made, whether it's ready-made, or whether it's custom-made, it is for you and you specifically. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll be happy to see you and happy to take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Everybody ready? Yep, I'm rolling. Okay. Well, welcome and glad you're all here. You know, I've been asked about the budget the House will present, and the one word that comes to mind is opportunity. I mean, it is a great, I mean great, opportunity for Hoosier families, Hoosier students, Hoosier taxpayers in what we can do and will be doing for them in this budget. And so I look forward to the success that they are going to have if we can adopt this budget and what it will mean for the future of our state. Why did you go lower on the, uh, significantly lower on the public health uh, fund than what the governor asked? Well, I think it's a substantial, it's a huge increase on what we've done for public health. And we know that we, and we'll plan to do some improvements in that, and we have an additional $225 million that's been appropriated in our budget. Uh, but money will be used to improve uh, Hoosier's health, and we look forward to working with our local county commissioners and local health departments departments and other providers to in, improve our, our state's health. Jeff? You, had, you had previously put in, uh, the General Assembly had put in safeguards in the tax cut package against future economic downturns. Why get rid of those safeguards and speed up that process? Well, we know from all the data we have that we're in a good spot uh, to make those uh, decreases permanent, and we know from all of our data that those are going to happen, and we believe that Hoosier taxpayers would be the best place to have those additional dollars, and they can spend those the most wisely and, and improve their situation and their given lives. The governor Jeff. and the IDC wanted $300 million for a million of DLPs and fund. You're proposing $500 million one-time funding for the deal closing fund. Why did you decide to go with a different number and structure? Well, we know there are some things that, that you know, may, may be coming down the pike. We're not sure what they are at this point. And we want to be sure and have those dollars all available uh, so that if we have those things to bring, you know, thousands upon thousands of high-paying jobs, we want to have that here. And we're confident that those things will probably happen in the, the next next year or two. Jeff, is there anything in the budget uh, proposal House Republicans will put out that will help Hoosier with their upcoming property tax bills either in May or October? That is really found in House Bill 14. We have a laundry list of things in that bill that will substantially uh, decrease the amount of property taxes that locals will collect. It will actually be, as I said in committee several times, a decrease in the huge, and I mean huge increase. There will be an increase, but we have that mostly all in House Bill 1499. There was specific mention of the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. That was a big deal for the governor. But you said, what, there is money for early reading? Yeah, yes, there, there's $30 million for early reading, and that that's very important and we want to keep that there because as we know if you are a good reader it opens up lots and lots of pathways uh, for, for your future. Democrats
Democrats often criticize Republicans for having too high of reserves. I'm curious, do you think you've hit the right amount with this budget? Oh, yes. Perfect spot. We're at about 2.8-2.9% of our total spend, and that's kind of on the upper end, I'll grant you that, of what is recommended for states. And being in that spot, we're setting up something. We don't think it will happen. We did have a downturn. The state has those reserves to take care of those ongoing expenses. Why does a family, why does a family making $220,000 a year deserve public dollars to go to a private school? Oh, right now, those taxpayers are, are paying, and we know the opportunity we've opened up for families and to be a part and have the best choice. You know, I used to teach, and we want those families to have the best choice they can have with regard to where their children should go. And all parents should have that. And in this case, we're, we're just very optimistic what it's going to do for families and find the best spot for, for their children. The elimination of textbook fees, is that for all students? Yes, uh, yes, and, and, yeah, yes. All, all goes through. It's all right there. The, those dollars will be sent as part of the formula. And so they'll be right in with the foundation amount. What was, what was the logic and rationale behind Excellent. getting rid of the textbook fees? How'd you guys come to that? Well, the, the governor asked for that, and you know, as you thought about it, it's probably again another good thing for Hoosier families. They, they gain here, and in the end, it's not about the state; it, it's, it's taxpayers, it's their money, and we want them to again help them out in ways that are positive, and, and it will. I mean, some families have paid you know fair substantial amounts, and this is going to help them and, and have less cost. If dollars are going towards these voucher schools and these choice programs, should there be more accountability and transparency for those schools? You know, right now they do have, and more parents have that. We do know this is true, that those children that choose to go into those schools are over $3,000 less. The state has to actually spend on those. And we're putting $900 million into traditional K-12 schools. And that is a great amount of money. And it's going to be close to 20, in the ballpark of $20,000 per classroom. And then it's up to local school boards to think of how they can improve or increase uh, teacher's salaries. But I mean, in terms of what you just said about savings of money, I mean, how are you sure that students who are already aren't already in a private school would not automatically qualify for a voucher? Students who never would have attended a public school. Yeah, there, there may be some of those, but likewise, you know what would happen if every single uh, private school student went to a public school? It'd be 200 and 50 million more dollars it costs the state. State taxpayers win, and more important than that, of course, is the families win when they end up having, they think, is the best school. You know, 90% of our, our students still go to traditional public schools, and that's fine. It says most parents believe that's the best for their children. For those that don't, let them have that decision what they believe is the best. But if we're spending more money on the program, do you, are you concerned that there needs to be more accountability in the voucher program? Well, I, I think there is right now, and the accountability falls with the parents. Because you know what? If, if they don't produce, they'll, parents will walk away and go elsewhere. And the state will pay more in the end, of course. Have you, you talked to the Senate is- about that uh, expansion of the voucher program? There was a lot of pushback from the Senate two years ago. Yes, we, we've had some initial discussions. What, how do you feel? feel I, I, I think we'll have an ongoing discussion with the Senate, and I feel very confident that we'll find a good spot to land. Why not just go to the universal voucher with already 220000 
Well, we thought this was a better spot to land today, and you know, we'll see what happens in the future, but I think the fact that more parents have more choices, and also the pathways have been removed, so parents can make what they believe right off the bat is the best choice for their, their students, and I think that is the best spot for, for Indiana children and for families. Speaking of discussions with the Senate, uh, your budget doesn't contemplate spending quite as much to pay down the pre-96 fund as the Senate has historically enjoyed. Um, are you anticipating that's going to be a point of contention between the two chambers? It'd be one of those things we'll discuss. Uh, we do, in the second year, have $250 million that would be towards that pre-96 fund, plus the ongoing propo- appropriation of about one point or a little over $100, uh, $1 billion, so over $2 billion total over the biennium, $2.35 total over the biennium. SB1 asked for $30 million for community mental health centers. Your budget proposes $13 million. Why the decrease? Well, some of that can be taken care of in the ongoing appropriation. We also have $10 million uh, for these regional health centers, and we think that's important. So, And that needs to happen. There's uh, some issues there with with inmates and how we get them in the right spot uh, to get the right treatment. In some cases, the the local jail is not the best spot. And so we've got to continue to, to find the right place to land and have those right kind of facilities. What about the three-part crisis response that has been called for in the Behavioral Health Commission? It's pegged at $130 million a year. Is that in the budget? All that at this point, some of those things are, of course, in the Senate Bill 1. And to what degree, I've not looked at those, but I think those will definitely be a consideration as we move forward. The Senate has said that they don't want to touch the tax code at all until they've had a chance to do their tax review commission. Do you foresee a fight with them over trying to uh, speed up the income tax cut? I think we'll have some great discussions on what, what's the best. And, you know, I, I think the, the senators are wonderful people, and we'll have, we'll have some great discussions. I'm looking forward to those discussions. On the tax cut, you know, if the economy is in such a good place, why remove, you know, the benchmarks or the triggers that would have lowered the rate? Because in the end, Hoosier taxpayers keep more dollars. And those dollars, if we can, are best to let those citizens of ours uh, spend those dollars as, as they need. And, you know, there is inflation, and they'll end up with more in their pocket. And to me, that, that's a great thing. The, uh, you keep in the budget the $800 million, I think, for the Westfield prison that Democrats have questioned whether that's a good use of money, spending that much on a prison. Why do you... Why do you think that at this point? Well, in the budget, it says $800 million for correctional facilities. And so we'll have some ongoing discussion on what is the best way to spend that. Is it at Westville? Is it someplace else? So what is that? Uh, I'm not sure we know the right a spot to spend that, but gives us lots and lots of flexibility. And I think the more flexibility we have, the better off. With some of these capital projects that are costing more now because of inflation and supply chain right. issues, why not use our AAA credit rating and get and bond some of these things a little bit? Well, I, th- I think whenever we can, uh, paying cash is ideal. And the percent that we spend of our state budget on, on debt service payments is just slow but sure coming down. And in the end, long term for this state, it frees up dollars for the general fund in years to come. Because if we do that, uh, long term it affects teacher salaries. And I want to have those paid for and behind us. And then whatever we have, we can use to, to move to education and other needs for Hoosiers. Jeff, how much of the Republican budget was impacted by inflation? What would you, what'd you think? Well, 
we, we have a lot of one-time, if you will, dollars, that huge increase. We actually uh, projected in FY23, ends uh, June 30th of this year, we'll have less dollars collected than the previous year. And so the amount, yes, a lot of dollars, but it's not ongoing. And that's the key. This thing is structurally balanced. That means ongoing revenue actually exceeds ongoing expenses. And if you don't do that, you're headed down some cliffs that are not good. Is there a lot of questions in your talk just about the amount of the public health funding increase since you, you cut it, reduced it considerably from what the governor requested? Well, it, it's been reduced some, but, you know, as a percent, not that large. And, and we know that we form those right partnerships with those local uh, health providers is probably the way to go and the language in there says that in a very general sense that those local providers will be the ones your local doctors be the ones to help us in, in partnership and uh, to help improve public health do you think that's uh, a chance of increasing that more or, is, or are you pretty firm that uh, you, the, the full amount that the governor requested is, to, is higher than needed I mean, you, you have to know, this is the, the first take of the budget, and the Senate may have some different ideas, and we'll see what they say and see what the other thoughts. It's a work in progress, no doubt, but we believe this is the right spot that we'd be at today. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. See you on Monday. See you. Thanks, Chris. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.